Thank you. Hallelujah. I came here a young man and I'm growing old in this church. Coming. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah. Um, God is good. I just want to read a word and help me declare something in the spirit that I, I felt that I need to do before I go to the word. It's in the book of John, chapter 11, verse 22. It was a word so strongly on my heart to declare. The Bible says, um, let me read from 20, uh, 20. Then mother, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said mother unto Jesus, Lord, if thou had been here, my brother had not died. But she didn't stop there. She wanted to say, but, but I know. I want you to underline those words. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou would ask God, God will give it to thee. And Jesus said quietly, thy brother shall rise again. And this is not my message. It's a message of God sitting down here. Some of us are facing situations that we think is over. But this is a, a declaration in, in the face of death that seems to have triumphed over this family. She comes with a heart that is already given up. If you had come, you've been here early. And some of us think the Lord is late. He's not I don't know what you're going through, but it was the word of the Lord to you. He's not. Even now, in the face of what you are facing, even now, right now, God can ask the Father to do it. He's at the right hand of the Father in the sitting for you. Why? He paid the price for everything you're asking. Please, somebody, may that word sink in you that your prayer is not in vain. Even now, God is answering. Not, he will not, he will not answer. He's answering. Hallelujah. Paul says in Romans 8, 32, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things. May the Lord bless you who has waited and labored in prayer. Wondering that God has forgotten you. God has not forgotten you. Even now, this hour, this minute, he's working. He's asking the Father, he's on your case. I don't know who he is, but I feel there's a lady that has prayed and cried. Some of you have cried about your children. They may not be dead, but spiritually separated. But God, even now, is working. I say God is able to raise a four-day dead body. can raise your children. I say he can raise them from where they are. Even now, he is working. I just want to build up your faith in that statement. Some of you feel like, I have prayed all these years. And somehow, it looks like it's over. It's not over until he, he says it's over. God bless you. Amen. And so um, I just want to declare these words in a song. I'm not a singer, you know that. But I'm a worshiper. Anybody can worship, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So if I miss or I don't, don't worry. Just capture what I'm trying to say. I'm not trying to say I'm not going to do a good job. I'm the best, my best is not good enough. But I'll give it. Praise the Lord. Um, in Lamentation chapter 3, verse 20, 23, this is the words. It, I'm speaking to myself and to you too. This is mine. But if you can join me to feel this, it's okay. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. 
The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning, new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. Great is thy faithfulness. If you don't mind, hallelujah. Let's sing this again. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new in the morning, new every morning. Great is thy faith. Oh, great is thy faithfulness. Upendo imara wabwana haukwishi. Fadhili sake hasina mipaka. Nimba pia kila subuhi. Mapia kila subuhi, uwaminifu wako ni mkuebwana. Uwaminifu wako ni Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. Great is thy faithfulness. Sing with me. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. Great is thy faithfulness. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah, Lord. I just look at over years the things God has done, and sometimes we take it for granted, but God is faithful. As I was sitting down, I was hearing the worship. The only thing I can ever say, what is, he's faithful. He's faithful. His mercies are new this morning, not yesterday, this morning. Hallelujah. His love is steadfast. At least to me, I've seen the hand of God so many times. And I just want to share with you something today. I don't know how even I want to speak this without allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And I just pray, Father, let me be out of the way so you speak to your people. In Jesus' name. As a church, you have come at a juncture, at a place, at the threshold again. As if you are standing on Jordan again to cross over to the promised land, to that which God has for you. And in every generation, in every time God wants to move, in every time he steps into a time, there's a period he calls Kairos, a moment called strategic moment. The window of opportunity for a people or a place or individual. And you have come for such a time now as a church. And the word that comes in such a moment is repent. You know, we, that sounds a little bit harsh. That sounds like, are we wrong? But God has never moved to the new level without people changing their mind, repenting of the way they have done things. We will not experience revival we are looking for or change we seek for until there is a repent, a repentance in our heart. 
The only problem is sometimes we have preached repentance in a way that it has misrepresented God. And my heart is to strive today to tell you what does it really mean to repent? And what is the posture of a true repenting heart? And so, the word repent in a normal way is the word one man explained it in a little bit casual way. He said, it's a compound of two words. It's a word re again, and then bend is higher. Like we have pentagon, penta house, a higher place. We see what the Bible says? We all have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. What the target is, we have missed the glory of God. And God is calling us to repent, to rise to the penthouse, to the higher place again. Hallelujah. Can we rise again to the place? We were created for glory, but sin has caused us to fall short of it. And this generation will not respond to mere words anymore. It has to be the glory of the Lord. The Bible says, arise and shine for your light has come. Darkness will cover the earth and gross darkness the people. People of God. What is happening in America has not God, God and God unaware. He's aware. He saw this day and he said, gross darkness will come to people. They will call Peter things sweet and sweet things Peter. They will reverse the order of things. But he has a solution. A solution is his church. Arise. You know, you have to stand, you have to come out of something so that this light will meet you when you're rising, not when you're seated down, not when you're in that posture. Rise, for your light has come, your understanding has come. And so we capture the understanding because the glory of the Lord will be seen upon you. Hallelujah. And so in the brightness of your rising, the Bible says, the gender will be drawn to the light. We, we are not going to change the world by mere words anymore. But we have an answer. The answer is his glory upon us. But, you know, we, we, we have it within us. It is as it comes with, like in Noah's day, the rain came from above, but the cistern of the earth also broke, and the water cast from the ground. There's something that will break out of you. Meeting that, I don't know how I can say this, but I know that we are set for something beautiful. In every generation, there's a remnant that are going to, to, to be, to bear testimony to the greatness of God, to bear testimony to his love, to bear testimony to his power. And therefore, we should not give up when we look at darkness and say, well, I don't know. Some of you have already given on in America. Well, look at the sins. Where, where sins abound, grace also abound, more abound. We're just missing out something. We need to capture the essence that if we rise, the light of the Lord will shine to those who are in darkness. But people of God, it's not possible unless there's change of heart and change of mind. And that's why we say we need to repent. Whenever God says repent, sometimes it's not easy. It's gonna, something must die. You may leave your idols, the things you love, the things you, 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 you cherish. When this woman failed, the, the uh, uh, woman with the pastor oil, she, she failed that the Lord has done something beautiful. And she knows that her life, as she knows it, is ended. And therefore, she took what is the most valuable and broke it on him. It's, it's over. There's no way you can end your life as it is without something dying. I'm not coming to step on you. I'm just trying to tell you something else must give for you to step into that which God has for you. Repent, therefore. God promises us in Acts chapter 3, verse 19. He says, The word there is, when we repent, our sins will be blotted out. And among many things, the times of refreshing will come from the presence of God. 
It is our change of mind, change of heart that attracts the spirit of the Lord. Somebody said, after Passover, Pentecost happened instantaneously. It just has to happen. But have you experienced Passover? Have you allowed the blood to speak in your situation? Have you allowed the sacrifice of Jesus to mean something to you? Are you sure he paid it all? Is it a real experience in your life? That his blood has cleansed you from all unrighteousness. That when we look to him, all our sins are forgiven. We cannot bypass Passover and experience Pentecost. It's not possible. The order of God is we must experience the Passover. The slain lamb is when he will be glorified and send the spirit of God to you. And as a church... The next is the spirit of God coming over him to give him room. And so the challenge is, Paul tells us in Romans 2.4, Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of the Lord leads to repentance? Praise the name of the Lord. The goodness of the Lord. The, the key here is do not despise the riches of his kindness. How do we do that? When we think that by ourselves, by our moral standing, we can earn anything before God. There are two, group, two groups of people. Those who are ignorant of what God has done and those who think by their own act and the, what they do, they will earn acceptance before God. God has put to the end everything else. Has chosen to see you through his son. And what his son accomplished on the cross. He knows that if we are left to us, every one of us will come with his fashion of what it means to be right. To be okay. So he said, this one, I put it away. The only person who is right is my son. And he has taken all your sin on himself. And he's nailed it on the cross. And therefore, I will never see you but through my son. And so do not despise the riches of his kindness. What? His grace that is towards us as a people. We need to embrace that he has accomplished this. And that is where freedom is. And I know. Hallelujah. People of God. The, the issue is. It's not hard. The gospel is simple. We have, I, I am I'm a theologian, and I'm doing, I'm in a seminary, I'm learning so many things that I never did way before. But I realize, no matter what language you use, no matter what you do, the cross is the cross. You can speak it in Greek or Hebrew, it remains that Jesus paid for your sins. Hallelujah. Whether Spanish or Swahili like I did, it doesn't matter. It is Jesus has paid for your sins. And that needs to be appropriated, impressed, and never try to add anything on it. Please. I know you say, no, I want it. No, you don't. Some of you believe that you, if only you can do this and that and that, you'll be better. I want to tell you something. Repentance, as I've said, is not change of your behavior. It doesn't begin there. It's a change of your mind. It begins in here. Until your attitude changes, you will not change. If you strive to do something for God in your own strength, you will fail. I, 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 unlike you, when I was born again one year and it's for my salvation, from nowhere I had. Can I tell you a testimony? I hope you will keep it yourself. <laughs> praise, praise the Lord. Um, or don't, do not say, I'll not listen to Pastor Peter again. But as a young man, I experienced repentance in a way I cannot explain. From nowhere, I, carry, I was lustful, and I don't know how. In, 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 in my walk with the Lord, I, I thought I was failing. I began to look at women in a very strange way. 
And I said, God, what is this? And I was honest enough to evaluate it. And I went to one of my friends. I said, man, I don't understand. I don't think I'm going to survive this salvation thing. What is wrong with me? And some of you don't try to say these things, but I know enough to know we have secret struggles. And when I told this guy, he said, oh, me too. I'm going through this thing. thing. He said, Why didn't you tell me? But the thing is, we repented, but we went to a place of prayer. And in the place of praying, the Lord gave me a word. I could, whether in a trance or however it is, a word came to me. Anytime you look at a girl, speak this word. This is the Lord's, this is my father's daughter. She's beautiful and for his glory. She's not to be used for my own lust. Say that every time when you see it. I, every time I looked at a young girl or a woman, my mind shifted. I saw them as my mother, my sister. My, the reason I'm telling you this is my perception of them changed the way I look at them. Something in me died about lust. For many, all those years of my life as a youth, that was the point of victory. I overcame because the Lord showed me a better way to look at women than the way I was looking at them. The world would paint them differently. But allow the Lord show you who they are and change will happen. So that is a place of repentance. When God gives you a, a different revelation and out of that revelation, your mind captures. In other words, you rethink. Actually, that's what repentance means. Think again. <laughs> what do you think you know? And it changed my life. I have never struggled. Not because I'm any better. But because I was a point of revelation, the Lord turned my life around. And I, he told me, win it every day. Not, to, not years to come. So every day I go to bed, I say, God, thank you for the victory today. And the, the days added to month, month added to year. And it be, gradually became a habit. I overcame without struggle because I had the right understanding. And so for you to repent is a response to revelation of who God is. Do you have the proper understanding of who God is or who you are? Or what the church of God is? So can you repent when you don't know? My prayer for you today is cry out to God to reveal himself to you. That's a true place of change. When you see him as he is, your mind will change. Your thinking will change. And so I pray for a revelation. You will overcome. There is nothing, there is no sin when God brings himself out to you in a way he should that is not, cannot be overcome. Hallelujah. For every temptation he makes a way, there is a way. And the way is change your mind about it. Rethink this issue. You see, repentance is not just changing your mind, but changing the changing of your mind, which will lead to changing your direction. It changes. There's a parable of two sons. I'll, I'll just read it quickly of, of, of uh, where. Um, have you heard where Jesus went to one son and said, Go. Go to the farm. And he said no. And later on the Bible says he repented or changed his mind and went. And he went to another and said go. He said I will go and he never went. Which one did the will of God? Yeah. And the word that disturbed me is the last, uh, the last word. that he, uh, the, the, the words that Jesus spoke after this statement. I'll give you the scripture. Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, the tax collectors, the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. <laughs> God is about to raise up people you think are no people to step into the kingdom if we are not careful. Um, <laughs> leave us behind. Because they will see the goodness of the Lord and embrace him so fast. You see, the woman with the pastor oil... So the goodness of the Lord and she poured everything. But the Bible says the disciples were sitting by. They were used to Jesus. Some of us have gotten used to Jesus. We've been in this thing for long, long enough. We are used to his presence. We are sitting by. Yet she comes here and she says, no, 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 no. I've never, this is the greatest opportunity of my life. She's so great 
the great opportunity. But these guys, it's our normal day. We hang around with Jesus. But this one saw something. She took everything. She, she just didn't break the alabaster oil. She took, uh, he wiped her, 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 his feet with her hair. The woman is here is her glory. She took her glory and put it at the feet of Jesus and claimed his feet. Hallelujah. What do you have? Somebody say the highest place you can ever be is at his feet. And if the best you can do is to take whatever you think and be it, be it at his feet. His, his feet is a place of victory. You'll never rise from victory until you have given your all to him. And so he said, if you seek me, seek me with all your heart and you will find me. Now, let's understand this. The Lord loves you. That is the truth. The Lord loves you. There's no doubt about it. But then, he wants you to grow. As a child, how, how much do you love your little baby? You, you, you see parents here, they will embrace it. They will do anything. But if we're here, the, the, the baby is still the same baby you saw. And in two years, she's still little, the, the baby. You, as much as you love, you will be, begin to be grieved. I want my daughter, I want my kid to grow. And that's why <laughs> some Christians, the question of love, love issue is settled. The issue is growing. God loves you, there's no doubt about it. But he will remove things from you until you grow. And it may hurt you. It may cause you to suffer a little bit. But he, if it comes to a place of growing, he will allow you to experience things that are not what comfortable. Until you grow. And one of those things is for you to come to realization that you are wrong. And therefore you, re, you, you repent. You change. And embrace what he has done for you. Do we understand each other? So the, what is the true posture of repentance then? Hallelujah. Brokenness is what manifests. Oh, Repentance manifests brokenness. But brokenness is manifest in repentance. We look at, 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 at David as an example. In Psalms 51, the whole of that Psalms, but particularly verse 17. He says, but the sacrifices of God are broken. A broken and contrite spirit, O oh God, you will not despise. Now, I want you to take those words seriously. David had repented and cried out, and he was willing to do anything for God. But he also remembered everything belongs to God. Do you know that even your life, is, it belongs to God? The breath you are taking right now is his. What do you have? You are not, you are not given, somebody asked, James asked. What do you have? That you are not given. Truly, what is yours? I'm not hard against you. I'm just trying it for you to come to a place of understanding. All, everything you have has been given to you. And so David said, if you needed spoons and this, I have given you. But the sacrifices of the Lord is a broken and contrite heart. That do not despise. There are some things we do for God that in his heart, he despised it. But he can never despise a child who comes in a brokenness. The, the word contrite means crushed. You know that sin has overcome you. You look at the world, you look at things, you realize I'm nothing. Lord, I cannot overcome this. And you know it. You know, sometimes even in the secret place, we try to convince God that we're good. You're not. Even in a secret place, be willing to talk to him with transparency. God, this one, I was talking to people, and sometimes when we, are, we, we want to put our best foot forward, uh, we talk a lot, and sometimes you go in a quiet place, say, that one you talked. You wanted to present yourself as a good one. You didn't speak that on my behalf. Would you say yes? And learn to let the Holy Spirit whisper to you, no, not that one, don't touch that. And begin to be led by that inner voice that will cause you to change and say no to certain things and grow and walk with him. 
And sometimes I, in a group of people, may be there arguing this and that, and I run away to the bathroom. I'm not running there for bathroom's sake. I'm going to repent because I've realized I've said things. I may not tell them, but in my heart, I realized I did that for me. I wanted to glorify or to show them I'm something. And God says, no. I thought you said you were here to exalt me. But you are fighting to, to win an argument for you, not for me. Let them win. We are, these small things is where change really begins. Brokenness. One man went to this man called David Yonkicho, who was at the biggest church still is. And one man from here went there, was a very charismatic preacher, and he looked at the mass of the people in that church, and he was like, he went to the hotel and said, God, this guy is not even dynamic or charismatic. How come people are following him? And the Lord spoke to this preacher and said, when I speak, he trembles. Do you? So the word is, that is a place of brokenness. When you hear God speaks, I want to speak to some of you today. How many of you have had a dream for this last week, this month? I know you have because I feel it in my spirit. Some of you, God has chosen to speak to you in through dream. But you have refused to react. You want a prophet to come and speak. Days are coming, we may not have enough people around you, but the person, the, the, the spirit within you will guide you out of so many things. Please, embrace that. Begin to listen to the voice of God, and God will lead you out of many things. God is speaking to some of you in dreams, but you are not seriously taking what he's speaking to you seriously. Now that's by the way, <laughs> praise the name of the Lord. So the condition of the heart, as we see in Joel chapter, chapter 2 from verse 13, uh, from verse 12, it said, um, how, um, it speaks about returning to the Lord with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning. And there's rent your heart, not your comment. It's a place of brokenness. It is Joel. In the same place, if a few chapters or few verses later, that is where the promise of the Holy Spirit will come, will be poured upon us as rain. So the key for revival as a church, as a group, as a people, now you are on the brink of something good. You have a new pastor. You have a new set of things to go forward. Are you willing to embrace what God is about to do? Can you? Don't do the external things. Break, render your heart. Let it be torn. That's the place of brokenness. He said in Isaiah 66, he revives such. We're looking for revival. God is seeking to revive those who are broken and contrite spirit. He said in, I think, Psalm 34, he says he's near. Those who are broken and contrite, so called contrite spirit. He does not just answer their prayer. He's closer. Why? From the very beginning when God created you, he designed you to be dependent to him. He never equipped you to live by your own life. No. Of all creatures, you are the only one he dwells in. I don't know if you understand what he said the other the spirit of the Lord is in you. You, he made you to be his habitation. So that you, are, you don't need strength, you need his strength. You don't need power, you are his power. We are not even the baddest in the kingdom, in animal kingdom. We are small. Our only reason is that God is in us. So Christ in you is the hope of glory. <coughs> Praise the name of the Lord. And so God designed you to depend on him. And they deliberately created you weak. So that he can be your strength. And any man that has ever walked with God, look. They surrendered and gave up their life so that God became their all. And that's a place of miracles. Where miracles and normal life will become normal. I, 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 I sometimes give little testimonies here and there. And some, I, I've been in America. And I just repent every day. There is enough of everything that you don't look to God for anything. God has blessed this nation. You cry, oh, the economy. While you say the economy is wrong, you are better off ten times than other people. Literally. Yes, you are afraid things are going wrong. No. You're blessed. Please understand that. You are blessed. 
It's not the same all over the world. You know why everybody is striking to come here. Appreciate what God has already done. And but, but, but do not depend on anything he has given you. Because in the sufficiency of things, he will not be needed. Please. God want you to be generous. And a generosity is nothing about money but your heart, your everything. The posture of love is giving. For love does not seek her own. Love seeks the good of another. And the foundation of a Christian man is love. And that is a place of revival. And so, we are here. And I want to finish with these few things together with us. So the Bible says in Second um, Chronicles 16 verse 9, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. But he was rebuking a king. And the context of this scripture is there was a king, Asa, who had depended on God and saw a mighty army be defeated. But after the riches and sufficiently, he became rich and depended on, he went to seek help, not from God. And God was mad and said, I am if I may paraphrase this statement, I am anxiously looking for ways to bless you. That's what the word means. His eyes are running. He's scanning the looking. But the key is the people's whose hearts are completely his. Another translation says that. Whose heart is perfect towards him or loyal to him. Are you loyal to God? Are your heart completely his? Because the heart is the center of affection. And that's why he's after your heart. And even the devil is after your heart. Last, everything else is after your heart. Because what you love, you will follow. Have you ever fallen in love? Nobody tells you, go look for her or for him. You will constantly think of the beloved. The reason God is after thought is you are not in love with him. You're coming to church as a ritual to fulfill a Sunday routine. That is harsh but true. Do you love him? Just look at the normal romance. You gotta move away from the one you love. You want to be close. How come? We're in love with God and we are not that close. I remember where it rained, my heart was, I will go up to see my wife to be. I will if she said come, I will go, no matter what time. <laughs> I had to please her. I still do. But sometimes we get used to them also, just like God, and take for granted what you paid the price to get. May, may you never get used to what God has given you as the best. Praise the name of the Lord. Remember your first love. If you even heard that somebody else talked to them, you feel bad. You are jealousy. But today you don't care. Because true love is jealousy. God is jealousy over you. He needs your affection redirected to him and not to things. And after he has captured your heart, he can give you all things. And all things, it does not necessarily mean material. You come to a place of fulfillment, a place where you're complete in him. You lack nothing. You long for nothing. There's joy, which is a place of the kingdom. Uh, the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. These two, th these things, righteousness means my sins are forgiven. I stand before God, accepted before men. I have no reproach. My conscience bears me witness. I'm okay. Then peace settles in. What does it mean? Peace is not absence of war. No, 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 no. The kind of peace we are talking about, it speaks of holiness, completeness, prosperity. It's, it brings, lacking nothing, brings you whole. Now, when you have that, what you will lack? And that is the kingdom. But it does not end there. There's joy in the spirit of God. That is what we need. These other things will be added to if we have peace, joy, and righteousness. So seek ye first the kingdom. What? Let the peace of God settle you. Let the power of his joy be in your heart. And these other things, people are looking for money but not happy. It does not help. When you are beginning with there's no peace, there's no joy, you have no righteousness. It does not help. But when your heart is settled in the kingdom of God, what is a state of being? It's not something somewhere there. It's in here. Hallelujah. It is here. 
Talk to him every day. Let your kingdom come. That's the greatest, when we pray, that's the greatest thing. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Number one prayer is, after God is, let thy kingdom come. For the order of priority is the kingdom. And the kingdom is peace, righteousness, peace, and joy in the spirit of God. When you have that, it will overflow to those around you. These other things, money, beautiful things will come to serve the kingdom. You will give out of joy. You will serve with peace. It's because you are overflowing with this kingdom of God. And in this kingdom, there's no way there's going to be a kingdom without the king of the domain. Hallelujah. And so peace, joy, and righteousness creates a domain where the king rules in your life. Territory of the king is that heart that has peace, that has joy. But a heart that is disturbed cannot listen to God. In the quietness of a quiet place, you can't even pray. You are disturbed. And so, church, this is how we manifest true repentance. Number one, we must be aware the biggest entrance to true brokenness is understanding this. That repentance is having the right understanding of sin as a relational issue. Sin is not a performance issue. It's a relationship issue. Most of us see sin as failure of performance. But no, rather it's failure of intimacy. It's not what you do. It's whom you have despised. David said, Against you alone, O Lord, have I sinned. He, he forgot the act of adultery. He forgot the killing. He was not fo focusing on the sin. He was focusing on the relationship. By the fact that he sinned, he despised he who has given him everything. So he, it, and his cry was, please, O God, in true repentance, do not take away your Holy Spirit from me. Cast me not away from your presence. Why? The relationship has been marred. But most of us will strive to say, I'm not going to do that again. God help me. I'm not going to act to be adulterous. No, that's not the key. The key is intimacy. Have you despised him? Have you ignored him? Please, I'm not here to charge you. What I speak to you, I speak to myself. But do not focus on performance of, or restrain yourself not to do this or that. Brother, what relationship do you have with the Lord? Hallelujah. If we grieve, if we grieve in our inability to do what is right and not understand that we have despised the living God, it will not work. It is him who will give us power to overcome. To do that. He causes us both to will and to do. So when we have the right relationship, it is him in us who causes us both to, to will and to do. And therefore, may you impress God in intimacy. Bring, restore that. Oh, David say, restore the right spirit within me. And the, the other one is... Uh, you see, David rightly saw his, his, his failure in terms of relationship. What about you? As he beholds the glory of the one he despised. Why do I say this? The beauty and the glory and the majesty. He knows this. David knows this. He said, one thing have I desired. What's it? And this one thing we will be after. What was it? To be in the temple of God. To behold and inquire in his temple. This is what he's missing out. Oh, I rejoice when they told me, let's go to the house of the Lord. This man was after anything. No wonder God says he's a man after my own heart. The key is he realized. But on the other hand, if you read the false repentance, you can see it in Samuel, 1 Samuel 15, 30. Here Saul has, has sinned. He agrees. He said, I have sinned. But he said, but, but, but he tells the prophet, please do not honor me before people. In other words, his honor was more important before people 
than accepting the sin he had committed. And God honored him. Sincerely, in spite of the fact that he has already anointed David to be king, he allowed him to be king. But guess what? He was tormented by the demons. And David saw that. If I miss the presence of God and the Holy Spirit, I don't want to see what I saw Paul going through. To be tormented by other things other than the presence of God. Hallelujah. True repentance is failure of intimacy. Uh, understanding that you need to go back to a place of first love. And love is always about relationship. And Jesus rebukes the church of Ephesus. Repent and return to your first works, uh, first love. And I come to praise fellowship. I remember the first time I left this church. I don't know what happened with Pastor Dale, but man, he was anointed that day. He was playing guitar over somebody and the presence of God was over them as he worshipped. And people were being delivered while he did that. We may refuse, but the fact remains, God used him. Hallelujah. And God is speaking to us again. Can we come to a place of worship? This place was praise fellowship, but the other word was worship place. Hey, can we restore this? I know we have said this 101 times, but I see faithful faces. I was speaking to Brian that whenever I have an image of praise fellowship, I always see his face. He's been here forever. <laughs> praise the name of the Lord. And, the, and Paul, and, 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 and many of you here, some of you have been here, but most God is going to bring new faces. In the next two years, the, the face of this church will be so different, you will not believe it. Hallelujah. A new generation is emerging. Let me finish this with this. The second thing that you need to know, we need to understand the nature of the one we have despised. The glory, the beauty, the holiness of God. Bible says the beauty of holiness. He's beautiful. He's glorious. His might is powerful. And so it goes back to, 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 to what I said about the goodness of the Lord. When we see his holiness, that should be the enough. You remember Peter, when he saw what Jesus did, he comes and Jesus moves. And he said, cast into the deep. And he, when he cast in the deep, he catches so much that when he sees Jesus, he said, go away from me, sinner. He, he, nobody told him to repent, but he had a revelation. I'm unworthy. Look at what this man has done for us. He was standing in the presence of the Holy One, and he repented. And so the question here is to observe, church, God's holiness revealed the truth of who he is and who we are before him. And so, Change your mind. It will never happen until when you cry out for the revelation of who God is to you. Or in that situation, what is that? Like I told you, I had a revelation that changed my life and gave me a health perception of what it is to see. And that is a place of overcoming. Praise fellowship. Love you. But you have to rise in your personal life. Commit to give your life in prayer. Why do we pray? Not so that we win anything. We pray so that we see. We come closer so that we can capture and change to flow with him. He's the one working. We just come alongside what he's doing. Hallelujah. Father, I've spoken so many words in this house. I seal the truth in the heart of the hearers today. We'll be praying for those who want to change their mind. want to change their God. I want to go back to the first love. I want to be a place of repentance. I want to go to a place, not because of this or that, but I just want more of you. I'm here to pray with you. You don't have to, but you're willing to come. I'm here to pray with you. And tomorrow we'll be praying again. So, church, may the Lord bless you. I just want to read this scripture, the last one. Please forgive me. This one I have to read.
Proverbs. Proverbs 16, verse 15. It says, In the light of kings, face there is light. And his favor is like a cloud that brings the spring rain. In New Living Translation, it says even better, When the king smiles, there is light. And his favor refreshes meditate upon that scripture this week. Lord bless you. This is sure if I was going to come up here and share this right now, but, uh, but I am feeling prompted by what Peter said and shared. And when he called out the, the fact that people in the fellowship have had dreams um i literally yesterday wrote this down just titled it a dream and it was from two nights ago and it was about this fellowship and so uh i, I just want to read it to you guys because i think it speaks really very intentionally into what god laid on peter's heart to share this morning so i was on stage in this dream i was on this this stage praise fellowship church and uh, a sermon had just come to its, its end, to its conclusion, much like right now. And there was a time of altar ministry that was going on in the dream. I remember I was standing up here and there was just an overwhelming, or I'll just read it. Altar ministry was occurring and it seemed like half the congregation was at the altar before, on, the knee, on their knees before God. And the Spirit of God was moving extremely heavily on some and some were weeping, and some were laughing, and some were receiving gifts from the Spirit, and it was a movement of the Spirit that was occurring at the altar. The other half were just sitting in the chairs, generally disengaged, and in the back of the sanctuary were some young teens who were playing around and acting somewhat irreverently towards the moment. Bear with me. One of the young teens in the back tossed what seemed like a ribbon at someone sitting toward the front of the sanctuary who was still sitting in their chair, causing these, another whole section of individuals to become disengaged from the movement of the Spirit. So distracting. And this became a very upsetting moment, both because of the blatant disrespect of the movement of God that was going on in the house, but also there was a grieving of their choice to not step out into what God was doing and what was available within the room. And it saddened me. It saddened me a lot. And that was the extent of the dream. I woke up and I just remember waking up and I was very sad. I was, my heart was hurting for the people that were just sitting and there was so much beauty in what God was doing here. And it wasn't about anything else but Jesus Christ and the spirit of the living God touching hearts, healing, giving gifts to his children because he loves them and he wants to see the movement of the body of Christ throughout this world. And I was like, oh, this is all available. And then there was just this disengagement in the room, a general like, and I shared this, I shared this with, most of you know him, he's been here many times, uh, my good friend Eric Hamilton, he and I went for a race yesterday up at Holiday Valley, up at the Fall Scramble, we were in the car, we were driving, and we were talking about a lot of things of God, I love hanging out with that guy, and, uh, and I said, I had a dream two nights ago, I'm like, I'd inter be interested to see what you feel what you think or maybe sense from the spirit is maybe an interpretation so i i shared with him this uh dream and he he immediately said i he said this is a revelation of the maturity of the of the children of god in the fellowship he said the youth isn't a youth the youth was rep representing the immature 
sons and daughters of Christ that don't quite understand. The people in between that were still sitting but weren't in the back, there were people who were who are, who are here and they're they're at a level of maturity but not just taking that step forward. And then there's this this half of this fellowship that was just on their knees, on their face, in the spirit of God in the front of the house. And he's like, this is, this is, the, uh, he, he says, I feel like God is giving you a depiction as to the state of the fellowship. And I said, in my spirit, I was like, Jesus, increase it now. Increase it now. Make the hunger for the, for the meat of God happen in those who feel like they're maybe only drinking the milk. He can do this. He can increase the spiritual maturity of the person who chooses to eat the meat. The person who says, I'm ready to go and I'm ready to, to, to consume the fullness of what God has. And it's a choice. And so I just wanted to say, like, uh, I know, I know it's running late. I know that, you know, it's already almost noon. But I just want there to be an opportunity, always, always an opportunity to increase the desire of your heart. And this isn't for anybody else but God. That's who this is for. So when we say the altar's open, it's, it's for you to come and make an exchange with the Father and say, God, I'm laying down this because I want you to replace it. I want you to take this from me and I want you to do the work here. I'm laying down that and I'm giving you this. I'm giving you my time. I'm giving you my devotion. I'm giving you. I'm giving, I'm giving because I know all I want, all I need, all that will ever sustain me in this life is more of you. And so, so I just want to go into this time and, and and just invite you all to, you can, again, kneel where you're at. You can come to the front if you wanna make that movement and that, you know, what, like however the Lord prompts you. But I just wanna take this time to say, everybody, let's just, let's just close our eyes. Let's not think about the other stuff. Let's not think about the other eyes in the room. Let's not think about the other, the other opinions, perspectives, or preferences in the room. Let's not think about the distractions of life right now. Let's think about Jesus. Let's think on the one who hung on the cross, despised and shamed, and carried our curses. Down into the depths. so that he could ascend with the keys of victory, so that he could ascend with the ability of unlocking all of, all of those who are enslaved and captivated by other things. He wants to set people free this morning. Freedom is Jesus. I just want to remove, and I feel there's some, some heaviness regarding what I shared in the dream, the depiction of the dream as to whether or not you were up front versus sitting in the chairs. I want to remove that right now. That has nothing to do with the state of your heart. So do not take on any form of guilt, shame, or condemnation because of where you're at in the room. That has nothing to do with the movement of God in your heart. The altar is a spiritual place we come to. It's a place of spiritual awakening or a revelation, as Peter was saying. A need for deeper intimacy. Not because of what he gives, but because of who he is.
So let's just, everybody just spend time in prayer with the Father right now. This is a place of spiritual freedom. If you're in the room and you, you're like, I really, I love this and my heart's in the right place, but I definitely have to go, go ahead. But please leave quietly and, and, and respect what's happening in the room. And if you, you know, but if you're here and you need prayer, Peter will pray with you. Um, my, I will pray with you, obviously. My wife will pray with you. If you've got kids, you got to grab. If you want to grab your kids and bring them in here and say, hey, let's spend some time with, in the presence of the Lord, come on in. But let's just respect the reverence of the moment in the presence of our Lord and Savior. Cool. 